Soccer, LFA Junior Cup. Coleman strikes late to secure New Oak win. Article by Harry Shorthose. The score, New Oak Boys 3, Leak Slip United 2. An 87th minute header from Darrell Coleman at Burn Road on Sunday morning secured New Oak's place in the next round of the Leinster Junior Cup. At half-time they were cruising 2-0 up and in full control having dominated for large periods. However, a strong second-half performance from Leak Slip saw them fight their way back into the game in what was a tale of two halves. From the start, New Oak asserted their control on the game and dominated the early stages and could easily have been further ahead at half-time as Leak Slip struggled to get into the game. They looked impressive and back to their best and could have been further ahead at the break. After just 41 seconds, New Oak fired a warning shot when Greg Sikula headed straight at the Leak Slip keeper. In the fourth minute, they could easily have been ahead when an ambitious long-range shot beat the Leak Slip keeper but went just over the bar. Six minutes later, Sikula fired a shot off the post from the left. Leak Slip's first chance of the game came in the 15th minute when Doton Mabinuri shot wide from the left-hand side with his left foot, under pressure from the New Oak defence. Down the other end, Lee Walker broke down the left and opened the scoring from distance. Walker shot wide four minutes later. There was intriguing team news from the hosts, with the return of Greg Sikula to the starting lineup. The 2018-2019 Premier Division Golden Boot winner had retired after winning the league, but made his comeback up top and was on hand to score New Oaks second and put them in pole position after just 20 minutes. David O'Shea went close when he got the ball in the box and turned to try and score, but found his shot saved as he couldn't steer it either side of the keeper. Sam Newman went close for leak slip from the left, but his effort was saved. Keen Dowling set up David Doyle down the left, but he shot well wide. Jack Cunningham's effort, 10 minutes from half-time for Leak Slip, was deflected wide and the keeper collected it. Five minutes later, Cunningham saw his effort from a corner from the right cleared off the line. On the verge of the break, a corner from the left found Sean Amimenhaw at the back post, but he couldn't control his shot and it was cleared. New Oak looked in control at the break. In the second half, Leak Slip came out fighting and put pressure on New Oak from the off, looking a different side. Nine minutes in, they went close when a Cunningham corner from the right was headed at the keeper, with a follow-up effort being cleared off the line. Three minutes later, a leak slip back pass led to an indirect free in the box, but Doyle's effort was hit off the wall and cleared. Thirteen minutes in, leak slip pulled one back when they caught New Oak napping at the back. A Lomar Fascine free went under the wall and into the far right-hand corner past Sean Gagan. Will Hayes went close for New Oak just over the hour mark, but couldn't convert. Dylan Byrne headed across from the left just wide, whilst a free from halfway was hit straight into Gagan. With 13 minutes to go, Leak Slip set up an enthralling last 10 minutes when they equalised. Sean Gill's header went across the face of the box with Gagan getting to it with 10 minutes to go. With three minutes to go, Coleman got onto the end of a Doyle corner from the right to give New Oak the lead again and put them in a good position. 
They saw out the final few minutes as well as six minutes of injury time to secure their place in the hat for the next round. The teams, New Oak Boys, Sean Gagan, Keen Dowling, Dylan Kitely, David O'Shea, Pat Kavanagh, Lee Murphy, Chris Birmingham, Will Hayes, Lee Walker, David Doyle, Greg Saikula, and the subs, Daryl Coleman, Lee Gordon, Corey Harmon, Dean Kelly, Daniel Hayden, Keelan Gagan. Leakslip United, Morgan Griffin, Doton Mabinori, Sean Higgins, Dylan Byrne, Glory Avonbain, Cormac Bruce, Sean Amimanholm, Sam Newman, Jack Cunningham, Connor Fasu, Yetas Mine. The subs, Daniel Stafford, Chris Higgins, Patrick Seary, Alex Doyle, Sean Kill. Rugby, Leinster League, Division 1B. Carlo Hold, Clondalkin scoreless to make it three wins from three. Article by John Shirley. The score, Clondalkin nil, Carlo 20. Superior finishing was the difference between the sides as Carlo maintained their 100% record in Leinster League Division 1B and condemned the home team, Clondalkin, to a third successive defeat. However, Carlo will regret that they came away without securing the four-try bonus point. In perfect autumnal playing conditions, there was little to choose between the sites in the opening exchanges. The match was played between the 22s with each side guilty of handling errors that stopped momentum. Carlo, however, began to edge the possession battle and after a series of phases they brought play into the Clondalkin 22, where a missed tackle allowed the wing forward Connor Moore to crash over for the first points of the game. After a shaky start, the Carlo pack began to dominate in the scrum and in the loose. A successful penalty from Richard White pushed the score out to eight points to nil. With time running out in the first half, Clondalkin spread the ball wide, but a last-ditch tackle from Carlo prevented a certain score in the left corner. At the start of the second half, another fine tackle stopped a Clondalkin centre two metres from the line after a 40-metre burst. The Carlo cover was pinged for offside just to the right of the posts. Clondalkin tapped and went, but the Carlo defence drove them backwards, turned over possession and cleared their lines. The home team's heads seemed to drop after this, and Carlo drove on, gaining both territory and possession. Centre Dan Crotty rounded some despairing tacklers to score to the left of the post. This was converted by Richard White to give the visitors a 15-point lead. Worse was to come for the Dublin side when their replacement hooker saw red for a strike in what had been a game played without any niggle to that point. A Carlo kick-through saw a further try awarded, but this was disallowed when the referee realised it was a Clondalkin yellow jersey rather than a Carlo one of similar colour that got the touchdown. However, Carlo were not to be denied a third try when Dan Crotty was again at the end of an excellent offload and scored an unconverted try to the right of the posts. Despite pushing for bonus point score, Carlo were unable to make the most of their numerical superiority, and the game finished 20 points to nil for the away side. The win has lifted Carlo to third in the table after three games. There are good numbers training, and this is leading to competition for team places. However, next week for the first time, the Oak Park side will face a team ahead of them in the table, 
when Wicklow come visiting. Carlo J1, Richard White, Johnny Crossley, Clavon Brennan, Dan Crotty, Sam Cullen, John White, Cormac Murray, Alan Byrne, Evan Gordon, Ross Byrne, John Lyons, Owen Edgehill, Connor Moore, Paddy Mackey, Connor Tracy. And the subs, John Farrell, Larry McGrath, Connell Slater, Isaac Daly, Liam Slater. GAA Chairman Defends Championship Admission Prices Article by Kieran Murphy Carlow County Board Chairman Jim Bulger has defended the decision to charge €15, €10 for old-age pensioners and students into senior double-headers at Netwatch Cullen Park. For the group games, an intermediate and senior double-header was priced at €10, with further concessions for these games too. The prices have been discussed at length by many supporters, while there has been a level of discussion on social media about the prices. We have looked at gate prices. It is an extraordinary time. People will be aware we had no income stream at all, said Bulger. While people want to see their own teams playing, we thought there would be an appetite for more games, considering we had none for long stretches. In that context, we priced it that way. We were trying to recoup some of our income. For a double header, we thought we were reasonable, €7.50 per game. We do give good value with €5 into games elsewhere. It is hard to get right, but our bills are still coming in and we will learn from it. We will take it from there, he reasoned. There have been reports it cost €5 to get into one senior hurling championship game in Kilkenny, but Bulger says it is not possible to compare county situations with other counties. We were trying to be as fair as possible to everybody. The wider issue around the country is that all prices seem to have shot up, and that is not helpful to us. Bulger also confirmed he was aware there was some social media discussion about the county board not making Netwatch Cullen Park available for ladies' finals, which will be coming up shortly. He moved quickly to scotch any suggestions there was a rift between the ladies' and men's organisations. We have a very good relationship with Carlo LGFA and Carlo Camogie. Where we can accommodate, we do, and both organisations are fully aware of our own predicament. We have had a very heavy schedule both from last year to finish off and this year, and where we can help, we do. We met with both organisations. Where feasible, we accommodate them. Where possible, they give us dates and we try to accommodate them. Bulger stressed. Meanwhile, the proposals for a change to the Provincial and All-Ireland Senior Football Championship will be voted on at Special Congress next week. These proposals will come up on the agenda at an officers' meeting in Carlow this week and will be brought up at a full county board meeting next Tuesday where club delegates will examine and give a Carlow viewpoint on the proposals. Proposal A. Eight County Provincial Championships the bottom three teams in Leinster and the bottom one from Ulster would go to Connacht and Munster. Eight county provincial championships with each province would be split into two groups of four with a series of round-robin games. Each group winner qualifies for the All-Ireland quarter-final and second and third place teams go into the quarter-finals. Proposal B. League structure for championship. The National Football League would move to the summer months with standalone provincial championships played over February-March.
The championship would be played with the top five teams in Division 1 and the top team in Division 2 qualifying for the quarter-finals. The second and third place teams in Division 2 and the winners of Division 3 and 4 would go through to preliminary quarter-final games. The teams who don't qualify for the championship would play in the Talton Cup. If either proposal is not passed, then the championship would return to the status quo. Talbot Hotel Intermediate Football Championship, Group 1, Round 3. Fighting Cox relegated in dramatic circumstances. Article by Kieran Murphy. The score, St. Patrick's 4 goals and 11 points, Fighting Cox 2 goals and 10 points. There was a dramatic ending to an epic encounter when St. Patrick's came late to steal victory in this intermediate championship game at Netwatch Cullen Park, which could have gone either way. To the winners comes a place in the quarter-finals, while sadly the Cox are relegated to Junior A. The Slaney Siders got off to the better start, with Jack Kennedy floating over a third minute free. The Cox hit back with James Hickey finding the posts after a good move. It got better for them when Matty Dowling did the hard work before offloading to Liam Shepherd, who buried the ball in the net at the scoreboard end. Tom Eustace added a point, and for a moment it looked as if they had the drop on last year's junior championship winners. St. Patrick's hit back with freeze from Brian Byrne and Jack Kennedy, while Alan Quigley squeezed the ball over the bar from a narrow angle to leave his side leading one goal and three points to three points at the first water break. The game turned again. From there, the Cox looked to be taking control as Quigley and Jack MacDonald both pointed. Kennedy kept St. Patrick's in touch with a point from a free. In the space of a minute, the game was turned on its head when Craig Staunton scored two close-range goals. St. Patrick's continued to lay siege on the dismayed Fighting Cox goal and when they drew another foul, Kennedy scored his fourth point of the half to leave his side two goals and five points to one goal and five points ahead at the break. The Cox started the second half in determined fashion. Gary Nolan asked a question of the St. Patrick's defence when floating a high ball into the edge of the small square. Keeper James Tobin punched to safety but could do nothing when, in another attack, Alan Quigley pointed. If St. Patrick's had been relentless in the closing stages of the first half, then it was their opponents who had taken their example at the start of the second. As the St. Patrick's defence spilled ball under pressure from a hungry forward line, Quigley was in for another goal from close range. By now, it was pressure cooker stuff, with both sides putting their bodies on the line. It was not a place for players who were not willing to take a hit or give one. Despite what was at stake, the game remained tough but fair. Depending on the result, one of these was definitely going down. The other two in the group, Fenna and Kilbride, were in the knockout stages. In response to the surge of their rivals, St. Patrick's hit back to take the lead with scores from Kennedy, two points, Staunton and Byrne. At the water break, they had turned it around to lead two goals and nine points to two goals and seven. After that, the eventual victors could have made the game safe, but Aaron O'Byrne anticipated the pass to Jack Kennedy and came out well to pinch the ball from under the fingertips of the St. Patrick's centre forward. It was gripping stuff for the remainder of the game. Quigley's free levelled, but after a series of near misses for either side, Kennedy nudged the Tullow side in front, 
when he held his nerve to shoot a vital point which crept just inside the left-hand post. As the cocks desperately came forward in an effort to rescue the game, their cause was lost when Brian Byrne punched home. You could sense the relief from the St. Patrick's supporters in the stand. The fighting cocks faithful were devastated. It was over, and then injury to insult for the Wexford Road side when the ball was lost from the kick-out. This time, Owen O'Toole rounded the keeper for a fourth St. Patrick's goal. A seven-point margin at the end was no reflection on as good a contest as there has been at this level for many a day. And the teams, St. Patrick's, James Tobin, Jamie Ansborough, Alan O'Neill, Shane Rowan, Dylan Hanley, Niall Sherry, Ronan Byrne, Lee Kavna, Will Dorn, TJ Kavna, Jack Kennedy, eight points, six from freeze, Dylan Gorman Comerford, Tyg Daly, Craig Staunton, two goals and one point, Brian Byrne, one goal and two points, the two points from freeze. The subs, David Orbinski for Black, 41 minutes, Owen O'Toole, one goal for Staunton, 50 minutes, Owen Cleary for Gorman Comerford, 53 minutes. Fighting Cox, Aaron O'Byrne, Padraig Roach, Jack MacDonald, two points, Sean McGrath, Tom Eustace, one point, Aaron Bulger, James Hickey, one point, Seamus Quirk, Liam Shepherd, one goal, Owen O'Byrne, Ryan O'Sullivan, Kieran Nolan, DJ Sinnott, two points, Matty Dowling, Alan Quigley, one goal and four points, two points from freeze. The subs, Niall Fitzpatrick for Roach, half-time, Gary Nolan for O'Sullivan half-time, Trevor Watchhorn for Quirk half-time, Rory Nevin for Sinnott, 52 minutes. The referee, Brian Deering, Rathvilly. Talbot International Football Championship, Group 2, Round 3. Low on scores but high on excitement, Nave Owen prevail. Article by Tommy Murphy. The scores, Nave Owen 7 points, Kildavan Clonigal 6 points. Round three in Carlos Senior, Intermediate or Junior Football Championships as presently constituted, with nothing ever certain or guaranteed, brings out the best in teams and always puts a different complexion on the league table as before the round was played. Sunday was no exception in Group 2 of the Talbot Hotel Intermediate Football Championship involving four teams. At Netwatch Cullen Park, Nave Owen, who played Kildavan Clonigal, knowing only too well what the different scenarios were, a win equals a semi-final spot, a draw possibly safe, lose and depending on other results and maybe score difference, possible relegation. However, Nave Owen travelled to Carlow on Sunday with only one thing on their minds, to come away with the two points on offer, which they duly did. Kildavan Clonigal with two wins looked set for a semi-final place. A draw would have sufficed. In the end, they had to settle for a quarter-final berth. In a highly competitive, well-contested game, all players on each side gave of their best, and it came down to the final whistle before the destination was sure. Nave Owen attacked from the throw-in, but it was Kildavan Clonigal's Joe Roberts that opened the scoring. Nave Owen was quickly back on level terms from Jack Kavna and the sides levelled at two points each at the first water break, courtesy of an Adam Kenny free and Parik Hickey from play. It was becoming clear that this was a day of backs becoming centre stage. 
with fast-moving football being played up and down the field, it was that last pass or that last kick that was beginning to cause problems, especially for Kildavan Clonigal, as the wide's tally was beginning to mount. Nave Owen's Keith Hogan at number 11, with his daring runs and link-up play, was causing problems for the opposition, as five fouls from five different players received yellow cards. With slightly less of the ball in the first half, Nave Owen saw three shots for points hit the upright and go to the wrong side. However, with sustained pressure, it was Martin Doyle that edged them a point clear, three points to two, at half-time. This was a fast-moving game, played in the right spirit, with no quarter asked or given. On the restart, it was the black and amber men that were the more accurate, with points from Cahill Tracy and Scott Tracy, as they opened up a slender two-point lead at the Sus Ishke, five points to three. KC's third point coming just at the break from a Joe Roberts free. Turning into the last quarter, Kildavan Clonigal pulled out all the stops as the evergreen John Kerwin, Liam McGill, Joe Roberts, Owen Roberts, Niall Hickey and company went in search of vital scores and tried all they knew to turn the game around. Niall Hickey and Adam Kenny traded points. Owen Redmond, who had come on giving a great pass to Kenny with seven minutes to go, and also to Martin Clowry as he sent over Nave Owen's seventh point. In a strong finish, Paul Nolan pointed from play before a Joe Roberts free had the narrowest of margins between the sides. In one last Kildavan Clonigal raid, Adam Kenny secured a great ball in defence as the whistle sounded for a mark. The player stopped and was looking for options where to kick the ball when the whistle sounded again and Kildavan Clonigal were awarded a free in. Confusion reigned. Some thought was the player to raise his hand when the mark was blue. Some thought it was the final whistle. The resultant free went at the wrong side of the posts. And the teams. Nave Owen, Andy O'Brien, Dermot Deacon, Michael Kavna, Tommy Nolan, Jack Kavna, Martin Doyle, one point, Cahill Tracy, one point, Adam Kenny, one point, Philip Smithers, Martin Clowry, one point, Keith Hogan, Scott Tracy, two points, James Smithers, John Michael Nolan, Anna Kavna. The subs, Ross Smithers for Tommy Nolan, Owen Redmond for Keith Hogan, Dennis O'Regan for Martin Clowry, Dwayne Kavna for Anna Kavna. Kildavan Clonigal, Ronan Brennan, Barry Hickey, Philip Byrne, Gavin Byrne, Liam Roberts, Paul Kelly, Liam McGill, Porrick Hickey, one point, John Kerwin, Daniel Murphy, Owen Roberts, Niall Hickey, one point, Paul Nolan, one point, Ianson Ledger, Joe Roberts, three points, the subs, Richard Jeffers for Daniel Murphy, Richard Byrne for Paul Nolan, Daryl Roberts for Ianson Ledger, Niall Murphy for Barry Hickey, the referee, Pod O'Dwyer.